الحمد للہ الحمد للہ وکفاد وقال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم المرء على دين خليله فلينظر أحدكم من يخادل أو كما قال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم موسى سبتر علماء الكرام برادس الملدس القرآن الشريف is a book of hidayat Allah Ta'ala has revealed it for hidayat ذَلِكَ الْكِتَابُ لَا رَيْبَ فِيهِ هُدًا لِلْمُتَّقِينَ Right at the beginning of Surah Al-Baqarah Allah is an intelligent person and Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam gave the definition of an intelligent person أَكْثَرُهُمْ ذِكْرًا لِلْمَوْتِ وَأَكْثَرُهُمْ إِسْتِعْدَادًا لِلْمَوْتِ That who is the intelligent person? The one who remembers death most and who prepares for death most Imagine a person going on a journey and he's going to be leaving for Umrah, for Hajj and neither he made any preparations, he's not even talking to anybody about what he should do, what he shouldn't do, etc. And now suddenly the time came and he has, should have been already at the airport to depart. But he hasn't put anything together yet. So what will be the definition or description rather that the people will give of him? That he knew he's going for Umrah, he knew he's going for Hajj, he did nothing, no preparation. So, he cannot be intelligent. So this is a journey of the Akhirat which is 100% certain and closer than the journey of Hajj and Umrah. Person going for Hajj and Umrah has still got a date. I'm departing on a certain day. And he tells everybody also in advance, six months in advance, he's already now accredited and he's going for Hajj or he's going for Umrah on a certain day. Moth is as closer than the next moment. So that is an intelligent person who has prepared himself for that akhirat. So Allah wa ta'ala has given us various incidents in the Qur'an Sharif also to prepare us for this journey of the akhirat. That while we are living in dunya, we live in such a way that we are forever prepared for the hereafter. And part of this preparation Allah ta'ala has provided all the various incidents that are in the Qur'an Sharif for us to take lessons from it. Among the various incidents in the Qur'an Sharif are the incidents mentioned in Suratul Kahf. Suratul Kahf is a well-known surah to everybody, even those who are not Hufaz. This is a surah which has very special significance for the day of Jumu'ah. In one hadith, Nabi Islam says that Man hafiza ashara ayatin min awwali suratul kahf qasima min fitnatid dajjal the person who memorizes the first ten ayat of Suratul Kahf, he'll be protected from the fitna of Dajjal. Now Dajjal, this is a very major fitna that will come before Qiyamah. And Nabi Wasallam warned the Ummah at length about the fitnas of Dajjal. Now one is the Dajjal that will come. But in order to be safe from that, there are various things that a person has to be protected from, safeguarded from, various things that he should be sure he doesn't get any close to. 
Because otherwise those who are in that line of life, they will become the first followers of Dajjal. So, this is one of the very great benefits of Suratul Kahf, memorizing the first ten ayat. Then in another hadith, Nabi Islam says, Man qara'a Suratul Kahf yawm al-Jumu'ah. That the person who recites Suratul Kahf on a Jumu'ah. Suratul Kahf, how long will it take? Somebody who is a Hafiz of the Quran Sharif, he'll take 15 minutes maybe. Somebody who's not Hafiz will take 20 minutes, maybe he recites slowly 25 minutes, half an hour. So half an hour it might take him, but for that half an hour what will he get in return? فَهُوَ مَعْصُومٌ مِّن كُلِّ فِتْنَةٍ إِلَىٰ ثَمَانِيَةِ أَيَّامٍ He'll be protected from all fitnas for the whole week to come. We are living in a time of fitna. Everything is inviting us to fitna. Person steps out of his house, there's fitna right in front. He drives down the road, every billboard has become fitna almost. Anyway and everywhere he's being invited to fitna. He merely opens his phone and there's invitations to fitna. He's at work, he's surrounded by fitna. So when we are living in a time when fitna is abounding all over, then this is something that we should be giving high priority to, to protect ourselves from fitna. And one of the things to do is, as Nabi Islam is giving us this prescription, among other things, this is one of the things to be very particular about, that on the day of Jumu'ah we recite Suratul Kahf. That half an hour that it will take us to recite, half an hour, 40 minutes it takes somebody also. What a cheap bargain for that 40 minutes, what a great benefit a person gets. So this is something to bear in mind, and in one hadith it's also mentioned, Mr. Shafi Shafi'sah rahmatullahi mentioned in Ma'arif al-Quran, quotes this hadith, that a person who recites Surah Al-Kahf on a Jumu'ah, Allah Ta'ala blesses him with a nur that extends from the earth to the heavens and will remain with him till the next week. And when there's nur, then a person will be attracted to nur, to things of light, to things that take a person towards Allah Ta'ala. And when a person is devoid of that nur, then he'll only be in darkness. So, various other things all put together, including this recitation of Surah Al-Kahf, this provides this nur. So these are things that we should, inshallah, bring into our system, into our program of the day, of the week. That Surah Al-Kahf, inshallah, every Friday we recite, Allah Ta'ala give us the tawfiq. In Surah Al-Kahf, one of the very great incidents that Allah Ta'ala mentions is the incident of some youth. Allah Ta'ala says, نَحْنُ نَقُصُّ عَلَيْكَ نَبَأَهُمْ بِالْحَقِّ That we are relating this incident of these youths. Who are these people? نَحْنُ نَقُصُّ عَلَيْكَ نَبَأَهُمْ بِالْحَقِّ إِنَّهُمْ فِتْيَةٌ آمَنُوا بِرَبِّهِمْ وَزِدْنَاهُمْ هُدَىٰ Allah Ta'ala highlights in the Qur'an Sharif that إِنَّهُمْ فِتْيَةٌ That they were this group of youth. Amanu bi Rabbihim who brought Iman in the Rabb in Allah Ta'ala and wazidnahum huda and we increase their hidayat and guidance. Now, there are several lessons already in this alone. Allah Ta'ala says that they were youths. Allah Ta'ala says a band of people, a group of people, but this is being specifically mentioned. And nothing in the Quran Sharif is just by the way. Nothing in the Quran Sharif is just, well, it just came along. Every letter is giving us a message. And this aspect of youth is being highlighted. That look, these were people who were young, they were still in their youth, in their 
early ages. And this is what Allah Ta'ala loves tremendously. That a person in his youth, he sacrifices that energy, that vigor, all those things that drive him, and he channels it all towards Allah Ta'ala. Allah Ta'ala loves it so much, that Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam mentions that among the seven categories of people, that will be granted the honor of being under the shade of the arsh of Allah Ta'ala on the day of Qiyamah. That's a very difficult day. It's a day when the sun will be barely above the heads of the people. And there will be people who, due to their ill deeds, will be up to their ankles in perspiration. Some up to their knees in perspiration. Some up to their waist. Some up to their collarbone. And some yuljimuhu iljaman. The Hadith Sharif Nabi Salaam says, like how the butt is in the mouth of the horse, that perspiration will be like holding him in his mouth as a result of a person's ill deeds. But people will be in this kind of situation, there will be some people who will be in the luxury of the shade of the throne of Allah Ta'ala. What is the air conditioning of this dunya? And what is the pleasure of this dunya? Can we imagine the shade of the arsh of Allah Ta'ala? And for who it is? So there are seven categories of people Nabi Sallallahu mentioned in this hadith. One of those categories is وَشَابٌ نَشَأَ فِي عِبَادَةِ That young person who grows up in the ibadat of Allah Ta'ala, in the obedience of Allah Ta'ala. When a person is making qurbani, then what he looks for? Obviously fulfilling the criteria of age, he looks for a young animal. He makes qurbani of what is young, fit, healthy, at its prime, Allah Ta'ala also loves it when a person sacrifices his prime. Allah Ta'ala loves this person who sacrifices that best part of his life. When he could be doing anything. When that vigor was there for him to do what he wanted. And he was in that state of mind which Nabi Islam mentions, Ash-shababu shu'batum minal junoon. That youth is a kind of a branch of insanity. Not that a person is insane. But a person in his youth, if he hasn't channeled it correctly, then it becomes like a kind of insanity. A person can see the harm of what he's doing. He'll give you the full bayan on it also, and how harmful it is, and yet he'll be doing it. Now, if this is not a branch of insanity, then what it is? So this is how it's described as a branch of insanity, that sometimes in that youth, a person just totally becomes oblivious of anyone and everyone. Who's advising him, who's guiding him, or what his parents are saying, or what his ustad has to tell him, or anyone and everyone. But yet there are many youth who Allah's fazal, they, despite all the things around them, whatever goes on, but they have kept themselves away from all the temptations, sacrificed those feelings within them, which Allah Ta'ala loves tremendously. That this is a mujahada greater than the mujahada of tahajjud the whole night. Person walked out of his house and he was tempted to cast one haram glance, one lustful glance. And he did not give in to that temptation. He lowered his gaze for the pleasure of Allah Ta'ala. The nur that is created out of that and the closeness that he gets to Allah Ta'ala with that is more than the entire night of tahajjud. It is more than the whole day of tilawat. Indeed, these are very great amal. Not for one moment we should think that this is something to be neglected. 
But together with that, this is an ibadat beyond that. Hazrat Abu Huraira radiallahu ta'ala an, Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said to him, Ittaqil maharim takun a'abadan nas. That save yourself from haram, you'll become the greatest abid, the greatest worshipper, the greatest ibadat is staying away from haram. And then the nawafil etc. will enhance it even greater. So Allah Ta'ala is highlighting this aspect that innahum fityatun amanu bi rabbihim. These were youth, they were young people in their prime. And because they sacrificed, Allah Ta'ala loved it so much, they got a mention in the Quran Sharif. Innahum fityatun amanu bi rabbihim wa zidnahum huda. Allah Ta'ala says and then we increase them in guidance. There is no limit to this hidayat. And therefore in every rakat of every salah we are constantly asking for this hidayat. Ihdina sirat al-mustaqeem. We require this hidayat in anything and everything of our life. In deen obviously, even in our day-to-day mundane activities, dunya aspects, we require the guidance of Allah Ta'ala. Otherwise a person will make a mess of anything. Without the guidance of Allah Ta'ala, simple things he won't be able to do. So Allah Ta'ala says that we innahum amanu bi rabbihim they brought iman in Allah Ta'ala they, be, they dedicated themselves to Allah Ta'ala this Allah Ta'ala made the means of increasing them in hidayat opening doors for them further any case these young people they were living in the time after the era of Sayyidina Isa wasalam, and at that time there was a very tyrant king by the name of Daqiyanus person steeped in idol worship and by force he was putting everybody in the same line. Everybody must be worshipping idols. So in any case, the king al-Nasu ala dini mulukihim, people will end up following the way their kings are, their leaders are. Generally this is what will happen. So in any case, people also started falling deep down into this idol worship. The whole community and the whole population became idol worshippers. And from time to time they would have their festivals and have their occasions and they would be slaughtering animals on their idols and bowing to their idols and this continued just on this point obviously when we hear of this it evokes some kind of very negative feeling idol worship lifeless things stone how can a person be worshiping that yes indeed it is totally mind-boggling that a person could be worshiping something lifeless but while that is mind-boggling, at the same time, it is not our achievement that we have not fallen in that. It is purely the grace and the topic of Allah Ta'ala. Otherwise, there are many very intelligent people. Their IQ levels will be perhaps in the top end of the people of the world. But they are worshipping the cow. There are people who have excellent IQs. But they are worshipping some tree, they are worshipping some stone. What happened to their IQ? What happened to all their intelligence? And no matter what, they are explained, but they just cannot fathom what is being told to them, that how can you be worshipping a lifeless thing? So the thing is that this Iman is purely a blessing and a gift from Allah Ta'ala. And hence it's something to be looked after very well, to be protected. In any way, in every way, we have to make sure that this Iman is protected. Then the other thing is, that while this is a great fuzzle and gift of Allah Ta'ala, that out of His grace we have been saved from this 
idol worship of stones and of trees and whatever else but at the same time we have to still look within ourselves are there any idols inside us Allah Ta'ala has protected us from the idols outside but sometimes there are idols lurking within Allah Ta'ala says أَفَرَأَيْتَ مَنِ اتَّخَذَ إِلَاهَهُ هَوَا Allah Ta'ala is asking have you seen that person who has made his desires his God, his deity that he worships his desire and a person is sincerely worshipping Allah Ta'ala then he will worship Allah Ta'ala meaning he is totally obedient to Allah Ta'ala whatever Allah Ta'ala has commanded that is what he does and then if a person instead of that is following what his desires want his desire wants that he must look at something he looks his desiring to listen to something whether it's permissible or not he listens his desire is he must go to certain place whether that place is a place of goodness it's the masjid very well if it's a masjid but even if the place is a place of haram he is not interested what it is he's going because he desires to go Allah Ta'ala describes this as worship of the desire this becomes an idol with it sometimes sport becomes an idol of a person the Muslim is saying I can't leave my sport for anything that might not be the words but the action keeps a person where he is he cannot extract himself to answer the call of the Muslim for somebody business becomes an idol for somebody something and somebody something else Allah Ta'ala protect us and save us all this is also a lesson that while we recoil by listening about somebody worshipping idols it's also a time for reflection that are there any idols lurking in me so Allah Ta'ala says regarding these people that this young band of people they brought iman in Allah Tabaraka wa Ta'ala in any case they were living in this time of this king the Qiyanus and this idol worship was ongoing one day again there was a festival of this nature that they used to keep having and everybody was steeped in the same idol worship one person something came in his heart and he quietly just walked out of that whole gathering came right out and came and sat down under one tree short while later another person walks out he makes his way suddenly he finds himself also under the same tree and in a short while a whole group of young people have walked out and all are sitting under the same tree everybody is sitting quietly silently nobody is saying anything nobody dared say anything because to express anything against what goes on against the norm that was like actually signing your death warrant that the norm was idol worship the norm was to reject Allah Ta'ala and anybody said anything against that that was something which was now putting your life in danger so nobody wanted to say anything but after some time one young person spoke up and said that look all of you have left this gathering and come here there has to be a reason why you left it and came so what is the reason speak up somebody must say something so one person finally took the courage and he spoke up the same thing he says I just cannot make sense of this this idol worship how can we bow into these lifeless things the creator of the heavens and earth is our Rabb we cannot be bowing to these lifeless things so when he spoke up and he expressed his iman then the second person got a courage he said I've come out because of the same thing and then the third person expressed the same thing and then the whole group all were brought out by this hidayat Allah Ta'ala placed in their hearts 
And this idol worship is totally senseless and this is something which is totally futile. It cannot take us anyway. It's, our, it's destruction for us. We have to worship Allah Ta'ala alone. So in any case, now they became one group of people united in Iman. So now they had become united in Iman, so they became the company of each other. They now needed to worship Allah Ta'ala, so they established one little place of worship as well. And then they would gather there and start worshipping Allah Ta'ala, whichever was the manner of probably from the scriptures of the past, perhaps something had been found, whatever it was, oh they worship Allah Ta'ala in some way. But in a short time this became noticed by others. That what are these people doing? This is something totally different to what we do. So this was now reported to the king. Before going on, again here there are certain lessons to take. That one is, that these young people were in this whole community where all the things were happening in terms of idol worship. But when this spark of Iman came in their heart and they realized this is wrong, they didn't just remain away and aloof from them in belief. They physically separated themselves also. One was that they, Alhamdulillah, the Iman had already come in the heart. But that wasn't sufficient for the protection of that Iman. They physically distanced themselves. Then Allah Ta'ala created the means for them. They gave one another the right company now. They started associating with one another, people of Iman. And together with that, they now established a place of Ibadat as well. This is something that, in the words of my Shaykh Hazrat Mawashahakim, he says, a person who wants to protect his taqwa, there are four conditions. He wants to be muttaqi and protect his taqwa. One is, gunaho se muba'adat. He will have to distance himself away from guna, from sin. A person, toba par lab, jam bar kaf. One person says, a person is saying toba toba with his tongue, but he's not ready to throw the glass away. The glass of haram, or that haram joint or whatever, or whatever that haram may be. Is that haram is that device that's taking him to haram. Watching all kinds of filth, porn and whatever else is watching on that device. Now he doesn't want to stop that, he doesn't want to give that up, he doesn't want to distance himself from it. And he says, but I want to stop the action, the haram that I'm falling into. So if the person is going to stand at the edge of the pit, then the slightest wind is going to drop him in there. He has to walk far away from it. He has to distance himself away from the means of sin. Gunaho se muba'adat. And with it goes the second aspect, asbabe gunaho se muhafazat, protecting himself from sin, and asbabe gunaho se muba'adat, and being far away from the means of sin. If he doesn't distance himself from the means of sin, he's going to end up falling in sin. So he needs to stay far away from the means of sin. But then he needs some kind of support as well. Nek dosto ki musahabad. He needs to have good company pious company, company that makes him or inclines him towards righteousness. It's a time of the of salah 
If he's in that company, it's impossible for him to go in any other direction but the masjid. He'll need that company. And then the fourth thing Hazrat Jesus mentioned was Zikrullah par mudawamad. That constancy on the remembrance of Allah Ta'ala. These people built one place of ibadat also to remember Allah Ta'ala. So to get closer to Allah Ta'ala and protect one's taqwa, all these things are necessary. And without this, in deen there isn't something like stagnation. There isn't any stagnation. Either a person is improving, he's progressing, and if he stops progressing, he's going to retrogress. There isn't any constant point that he'll just carry on at this level. He's either getting closer to Allah Ta'ala, otherwise Allah forbid is going in the opposite direction. So these four things are necessary to keep moving forward. This aspect that we were discussing in any case, that they were with notice now, they are doing something different. So the king was informed. The king was informed, he was furious, he called for them, summoned them. These were all young people from the royal family. They were living in the lap of luxury. They were people who had everything that that time could offer. But now this iman came in their hearts. So the king summoned them. What are you up to? So at that time, now they had to answer. So let alone just answer what they were doing. Allah Ta'ala gave them that himmat and that courage. And they started inviting the king towards Allah Ta'ala. وَرَبَّتْنَا عَلَىٰ قُلُوبِهِمْ إِذْ قَامُوا فَقَالُوا رَبُّنَا رَبُّ السَّمَاوَاتِ وَالْأَرْضِ لَنْ نَدْعُوَ مِن دُونِهِ إِلَاهَا لَقَدْ قُلْنَا إِذَنْ شَتَطَا Allah Ta'ala is giving us this message but it starts off with the words وَرَبَّتْنَا عَلَىٰ قُلُوبِهِمْ That when these young people stood in front of the king and they proclaimed the truth that our Rabbi is Allah Ta'ala. Our Rabbi is the creator of the heavens and the earth. And will not worship anyone but Him. But Allah Ta'ala says, وَرَبَّتْنَا عَلَىٰ قُلُوبِهِمْ We strengthened their hearts. And that gave them the courage to stand up in front of this battle. And to proclaim the truth. Despite all the odds around them. But where He came from? وَرَبَّتْنَا عَلَىٰ قُلُوبِهِمْ when a person takes the right steps towards Allah Ta'ala, he distances himself from evil. He sacrifices the evil desires within him. He doesn't give in to what society is demanding from him. But he's concerned about what Allah Ta'ala wants from him. Allah Ta'ala gives him the himmat and courage to move further on. And when a person keeps backtracking, then he will not even have the courage to identify himself as a Muslim. He will feel embarrassed to even say that I am a Muslim. Whether he is in his workplace, among his associates, or wherever sometimes he is travelling, the person wants to just conform to the norm because he doesn't want to be identified that I am a Muslim. His courage comes to such a low ebb. He is not able to uplift even or bring into himself even the basic aspects of deen. If he's in some environment that is not conducive, he's at an airport and the time for salah has come. Now, how does he perform his salah? He just doesn't have the courage. He's standing on a plane. Time for salah has come. He just cannot bring himself to now perform salah. 
he cannot maintain his Islamic identity. But when a person takes the steps forward, Allah Ta'ala puts that courage in his heart. But Allah Ta'ala has made this dunya a place of test. In Our sequence unfortunately is, Ya Allah, you do my work first, then I'll do yours. Allah Ta'ala is not, in de- not dependent on us. Allah Ta'ala is not in need of us. We are in need of Allah Ta'ala. Allah Ta'ala says in Tansurullaha Yansurkum. You help the deen of Allah Ta'ala, Allah will help you. So in any case, these young people proclaimed the truth in front of the king and he was very furious. First he tried to bribe them in some ways, then started threatening them, but they would not take any hearing to all these threats. They were steadfast. Eventually he said, okay, maybe they'll come to their senses, give them some time, give them three days. And in three days time, if they either comply well and good, otherwise they will be killed. So now he gave them this respite of three days. In the meantime, they were stripped of all their royal garments, and all the luxuries and all the comforts they were accustomed to. Everything gone. But when the strength of Iman comes in the heart of a person, he is ready for anything. Then, these material things cannot come in his way. These material comforts and luxuries, and then I'll lose my friends, everybody wants to go in a certain direction, I'll be now having no friends, or everybody will be going to this function and that place and this kind of fair and whatever else, I'll be sitting alone. Subhanallah, what is the sacrifice of sitting alone compared to the sacrifice of having one's life right at the edge? That either you conform to us or your life is gone. But when a person, the strength of Iman comes in, all these things will just fade into insignificance, whatever it is. My Allah is with me. So, all this was taken away from them. They were given these three days to think about their way forward. So they thought about it themselves and finally they decided we need to leave this place and move away from here. So they left quietly. Nobody realized that they were gone. They secretly went away and they came to this cave. In the meantime, after three days had passed, people started looking for them. There no sign of them. That part of it, in any case, after an exhaustive search, Allah Ta'ala totally blinded them from where the 300 years Sometimes some people say, I just wish I could just keep sleeping. But that's just a wish. But here for 300 years, now they were steadfast on their Iman. And they were not prepared to shift one bit from this. And now they came to this cave. When they came, Allah Ta'ala now provided the divine arrangements for their protection. One is when they came into this cave, they fell asleep. But together with that, Allah Ta'ala created such an awe around this place, that anybody who came close just couldn't come closer. And if he somehow got a glance, he got afraid, he thought they were in fact awake. وَتَحْسَبُهُمْ أَيْقَاضًا وَهُمْ رُقُودًا If somebody saw them, he'll think they were awake, whereas they were fast asleep. Now a person sleeps, how long he's going to sleep in one position? He'll end up with bed sores. He'll end up with so many complications. Allah Ta'ala says, we'll keep them sleeping for 300 years, we'll make all the arrangements. Allah Ta'ala doesn't need of it. But to show insan. Allah Ta'ala says, we'll turn their sides as well. In their sleep, they'll turn from side to side, so that they 
the normal pattern of things will continue. On the one side, they are not eating and drinking for 300 years. Allah is manifesting His Qudrat. That on the one side, dunya is Darul Asbab, certain Asbab you'll see it happening. And Allah can keep this insan alive without Asbab also. Without the means, without food and drink, 300 years are passing. Three hours sometimes is too much for us. After that we eat a snack. And three days will be death. But 300 years, no food, no drink. But at the same time, the other things are being taken control of to accommodate them. They are being turned from side to side. A person is sleeping or sitting somewhere in the direct sun all the time, for the whole day, for hours on end. What will happen to him? Allah Ta'ala made divine arrangement for that. وَتَرَ الشَّمْسَ إِذَا طَلَعَتْ تَزَاوَرُ عَنْ كَهْفِهِمْ ذَاتَ الْيَمِينَ وَإِذَا غَرَبَتْ تَقْرِضُهُمْ ذَاتَ الشِّمَالِ فَهُمْ فِي فَجْوَةٍ مِّنْ That when the sun rises, you'll see it just bypassing their cave. When it sets also, the rays will set in such a way that it just bypass the cave. They will be in this hollow within this rays of the sun, so that they will not be affected by the direct rays of the sun. Allah Ta'ala is providing the means for who? For those who gave themselves over to Allah Ta'ala. They, for the protection of their iman, were ready to part with all the luxuries, with all the comforts that they had, with all the honor that they were given. They were ready to part with that prestige that they enjoyed. They were ready to part with anything and everything. But not part from their iman. Not part from Allah Ta'ala. So when a person gives, to the extent he gives to Allah Ta'ala, Allah Ta'ala gives him. To the extent that he sacrifices for Allah Ta'ala, Allah Ta'ala blesses him. Now, unfortunately our situation is, that if by chance we read a few rakats nafil after Isha, we are waiting for Mi'raj that night. That now I read half para tonight, and Mi'raj must start tomorrow morning. Whereas the real sacrifices, this is also ibadat and great, the real sacrifices for Allah Ta'ala is the sacrifice of our haram desires. Whether that haram desire pertains to looking at haram, listening to haram, speaking haram, whether that haram desire pertains to how we conduct our businesses for that matter, there's a lucrative deal and everything is just ready for the taking but the elements of haram are in there so when a person sacrifices for Allah Ta'ala in this way Allah Ta'ala opens doorways for him and to the extent he sacrifices Allah Ta'ala will grant him so Allah Ta'ala made all these divine arrangements for them then together with that Allah Ta'ala mentions in the Quran Sharif وَكَلْبُهُمْ بَاسِطٌ ذِرَاعَيْهِ بِالْوَسِيدِ when this group of youth came along and fled from the city, one of them had perhaps a hunting dog. So that dog was also, it followed along. And it came, and Allah Ta'ala says, the dog sat with its paws outstretched at the mouth of the cave. وَكَلْبُهُمْ بَاسِطٌ ذِرَاعَيْهِ بِالْوَسِيدِ As we mentioned earlier, everything has a specific message in it has a significance. The dog came with them, that was enough. Allah is no, no, no. There's also a very important point. The dog sat at the mouth of the cave, he didn't come inside. 
Now why didn't the dog come inside? Hafiz ibn Kasir explains it that this is due to the fact as Nabi Salaam explained to us that inna al-malaikata la tadkhulu baytan fihi kalbun wala suratun that the malaika don't enter a home wherein there is a dog or wherein there are pictures pictures of animal things the malaika don't come in that home now had this dog been inside the cave it would have deprived these people of the company of the malaika so the dog said outside but one, on the one side it's a najis animal, it's a dog it's saliva etc. is najis on the other side Allah Ta'ala is giving the space in the Quran Sharif why? that whatever it was, it was an animal, it was a dog but it accompanied pious people and it joined the pious people, it got a mention in the Quran Sharif the Mufassirin on this note explain that if a dog, an animal that joined along with the pious and went along with them because they were making such a big sacrifice and it joined along with them it also got a place of mention in the Quran Sharif when insan will join pious company why won't he progress towards Allah Ta'ala? if the dog got some kind of honor some kind by getting mentioned in the Quran Sharif why will this insan not become honorable in the sight of Allah Ta'ala when he joins pious company so this is something to be very very conscious about that we all the time seek pious company in every community Allah Ta'ala servants are there those who have this love of Allah Ta'ala this consciousness of Allah Ta'ala who are attached to Allah Ta'ala we have to seek them out and be in their company learn from them and acquire this muhabbat of Allah Ta'ala from them so in any case this dog sat outside, it didn't come inside this hadith sharif that we explained the Nabi Islam says that the malaika don't enter a home wherein there's a dog or pictures of any but things surah whether it is carved out of something whether it's a picture and whether it's an advanced picture a walking and talking picture a digital picture, it's all pictures and Allah forbid nowadays with this devices in our hands what kind of pictures are all the time or often being displayed within the four walls of our home whether it is in the secrecy of somebody's bedroom whether it is behind the screen of that computer positioned in such a way that nobody can see from the other side but a person forgets that Kiram and Katibin are sitting with him he is just looking behind, far away to see nobody watching from far behind. But Kiram and Katibin don't have to look far behind, he just needs to look at his shoulders to remind him. And Allah Ta'ala is all away, Allah Ta'ala is watching. Now in that home when there are pictures displayed repeatedly, and what kind of pictures, walking and talking, filthy pictures, then how many malaika are going to remain in that home? Malaika of Rahmat. And when the malaika of rahmat are going to flee that home, there's not going to be a vacuum. That is going to now be inhabited by the shayateen and the jinnat. And when the shayateen are going to inhabit the place, then they, it's very difficult to find peace coming in the place. Very difficult to find that kind of muhabbat, that serenity, that contentment that we are aspiring, we're desiring, we're hoping for. The barakat all goes away. 
The malaika of rahmat go, the barakat goes with it. And we deprive ourselves, our families, whoever, however, by bringing in these kind of things in our homes and these pictures, etc. And we cause the rahmat to disappear and then the consequences we, we have to suffer thereafter. So this is also another very important lesson that we keep ourselves free from all this. Keep ourselves far from all these things. All these pictures and all these things. All these devices. And where it's taking us, Allah Ta'ala protect us and save us. That we have to be conscious about keeping the environments of our home conducive for the malaika of rahmat. So that we enjoy the rahmat also. Then in any case now these people slept for 300 and some years. After 300 years, finally they awake. And when they wake up, now first they start asking, how long did we sleep? Somebody says that no, we slept for one day. Some say no, maybe part of a day. But then they quickly abandon the discussion. Because now they are a little bit confused. Now how long did we sleep? Because when they went to sleep, it was about sunrise. The sun was just, had risen. And now when they woke up, it was like about sunset. So somebody said, no, it's part of the day still. We slept like early morning, not very early, about sunset time, not even sunset yet. Sunrise to sunset a little earlier. So okay, forget all that. We are hungry. 300 years we slept. They didn't know they slept 300 years. After 300 years they woke up, now they're feeling hungry. So the first thing now, they need food. So, فَبْعَثُوا أَحَدَكُمْ بِوَرِقِكُمْ هَذِهِ إِلَى الْمَدِينَةِ See, look, give somebody the money and let him go and buy something. Let him go to the city and buy something. Now he needs to go and buy something, we need to eat. But now what should he do? That he must go to the city and he must now see what is أَيُّهَا أَزْكَى تَعَامًا فَلْيَأْتِكُمْ بِهِ أَيُّهَا أَزْكَى تَعَامًا that go and find what is the purest food available. What is pure, halal and tayyib. Now this is their concern. They are hungry, they are alone in this place, they don't know where, what's going on, their life is in danger. But you go and bring food, you go and bring halal food and come. Not just go and see whether there is a halal sign. But bring halal food and come. One person was traveling years ago through the free states and he stopped by one Afrikaner shop so he was selling all kind of food, cooked food etc he just stopped by like a cafe or something to buy something so he saw this fellow selling everything and he had a big halal sign there in Arabic written halal so he asked him what's this he just asked him to see what he knows about it he asked him what's this that chef says no this is a lucky charm <laughs> say somebody told me you put this in your shop you'll get very busy and he doesn't know what it is he stuck it there, halal, in big writing, mashallah, Arabic. So anything where there's a halal sign, everything is fine. So now he's saying, ever since I put this lucky charm on, I'm very busy, people are coming and buying. What are they buying? They're not interested to ask, not concerned to find out, buying anything. So this is a lesson here again, and especially where there's an abundance of haram, then there is the extra responsibility to make sure that a person inquires what he's buying, where he's buying from and everything is above board. So, they send somebody now to go buy this food. So he comes. Now he's got coins in his hand that are more than 300 years old. And when he's coming to buy, he's walking around and cannot recognize the place. 300 years, everything has changed. 
This is something totally different. He cannot make out where is he. So he comes, nevertheless, sees some food vendor, and he comes to buy something from him. So now, by this time, this 300 years had passed. Everything had changed. That tyrant king had died. The people of that era were gone. Allah Taala had brought about a new person over time. He was a mu'min, the whole population, we all believers. So everything had turned. Now he comes with this coin, 300 years old, and now he wants to pay for the food that he bought. So that person looks at this, so he wants to know, where you got this from? He says, what do you mean, where I got it this? Yesterday I went with it to the king. Yesterday I had it in my pocket from yesterday. From yesterday I got it, today I'm buying with it. So he thought he's now, yesterday, where was this kind of coins available yesterday? So he thought this person probably found one old treasure lying somewhere and now he's got something very valuable but he's trying to use it to buy something. So he called all the other vendors and shopkeepers around, all gathered, then some thought maybe this fellow, there's some other agenda about him. They started questioning him and when he's giving answers which they cannot fathom, they said no, there's something sinister about this whole thing. So they took him to the king. And the king heard this, at that time there was something else that had become an issue. And the issue was that many people were raising doubts about, or some people were raising doubts about resurrection, life after death. Can this happen? Will this really happen? Now they are putting these doubts, raising these doubts, asking these questions, and people of Iman now are getting a little bit confused. Here again is another very important lesson that one should not just read anything, listen to anything because there's all kinds of things out there in the market. Recently at the beginning of this year, one person sent one email or something and in it was a message that some person had put onto his Facebook page which is de-Facebook actually, just keeps defacing people and taking the Izzat away from them. In any case, this person had this message which he wrote himself. And the crux of what he wrote there was that I decided my New Year resolution was to be honest with my parents and to start off my year with being open and honest with them. What was his honesty? His honesty was that, Na'uzubillah, he is no more a mu'min. And now he was feeling very happy about this that he came out in the open with what he is. Now he's in university somewhere from a very very conscious Muslim family and now he was caught up with all the ideas there, listening to anything and everything, reading anything and everything and he started off the year by declaring that he has become a murtad. And then he says himself that I am now what people will call me a heretic. That label which people who decide to exercise their freedom of thought are labeled with. Now this is his freedom of thought. And now because he's exercising his freedom of thought, so now he's saying I'm going to be labeled a heretic. And this is his honesty. And Allah Ta'ala protect us and save us. This is not an isolated case. There have been numerous cases like this in the recent past. Where in sometimes in discussion with young people and they are expressing these kind of things they are giving all kinds of funny ideas, things that take a person totally out of Iman Ramadan youngster in university, not fasting somebody asked him, why are you not fasting 
I don't need all this nonsense now, Zubillah. Things which totally take a person out of the pale of Islam, leave him in kufr, and this is unfortunately becoming rife in certain quarters due to the same issue of associating with anyone and everyone, reading anything and everything, listening to anything and everything, and whatever passes through that screen, everything must get read. But in the process, it's leaving seeds of kufr. It's leaving seeds of deviation. And sometimes it doesn't germinate in the same moment. But after a while, that thing is playing in the mind. Finally, it starts settling in the heart of the person. And after some time, it then starts expressing that kufr. So, these people nevertheless now, they were taken to the king. And this king was very concerned about how to explain to people that this is a reality. This is haq. That after death will be life again. And when these people came up, now this young, youngster was brought up, and the king started asking him things, and he explained them. He said, look, I don't know what's going on, but we were just afraid of our life is in danger. We disappeared to save our life, and now we came back. But everything has changed. But this king was aware that there were some people who had gone away because perhaps he had read this, what was already written by the previous king. So he immediately praised Allah Ta'ala, that Allah Ta'ala brought this incident to light now, so that people will be able to understand firsthand that here is the reality, here are all the signs, 300 year old coins, all the signs are here, that these people have been sleeping for 300 years, and now they are living to tell the tale. So if this can happen, that after 300 years they can be safe and sound, no change to their physical self, and everything is fine, why can't Allah Ta'ala bring the dead to life again? So this became a means of explaining this haq as well. In any case, the incident has many other dimensions to it. Finally, the king came with these people, welcomed all these youth out of the cave, and after having honored them, whatever else, then it also happened that they requested that, look, we were 300 years in this place, we didn't even realize, we just want to go and visit the place again. They went there, they decided to lie down in the spot that they each one occupied for so long. And as they lay down in those spots, Allah Ta'ala brought death to them. And they passed away. But one other very important point in this was, that when they woke up, and they started asking one another first, how long we slept, then they quickly dismissed that discussion. Then there are various other aspects. Where is this cave? Allah Ta'ala doesn't mention in the Quran Sharif. Then for example, somebody might even ask, what was the color of the dog? Allah didn't mention it in the Quran Sharif. Somebody will even want to know how long was his tail. But the lesson in all this is, that okay the dog was now, nobody is probably going to get so deep into things maybe. Some do get so deep into things. But for example the cave now, what is the location of the cave? The Quran Sharif doesn't mention it. Because the Quran Sharif is not a book for historical exploration. So Hidayat, and things that don't pertain directly to the purpose of Hidayat, Allah Ta'ala didn't get into that. And we have been cautioned about going into such things also. That there's no need for us to fall into all those details. Whatever is the reality that has happened, what we have to take are the real lessons, the lessons for life, the lessons that make us true servants of Allah Ta'ala. 
the lessons that take us closer to Allah Ta'ala. What was the color of the dog and how long was his tail? How is that going to help us? And then where the cave was also, wherever it is, how that's going to help us? What is going to help us is to learn the lesson of Iman. To bring this strength of Iman. To make an effort for this Iman. These are the lessons that we have to take. And for these lessons are all the work of Deen. Whether it is the work of the Masajid, whatever lessons are delivered from the Mimbar, whether it is the Madaris, whether it is the Khanqas, whether it is the work of Dawat and Tabligh, all this is directed to the same end point that how we can become the true servants of Allah Ta'ala and how we can be all the time forever in the obedience of Allah Ta'ala ourselves and bring others also to the same obedience. For this is all the efforts of Deen. And in this regard is the istima also, mashallah, 1920-21 in Lady Smith, for no other purpose than how we can bring the lessons of the Quran Sharif in our life. Zalikal kitabul ari bafi hudallil muttaqeen. This hidayat which the Quran Sharif has come for, how can this become a reality in us? How this entire deen in all its facets, whether it's ibadat, our five times salah, our fasting, our zakat, our hajj, whether it is our mu'amalat, our business dealings, our monetary transactions with people, or our mu'asharat, our social life, how we deal with people in general, whether it's our own families, our relatives, our friends, our neighbors, and whether our akhlaq, aspects of akhlaq, which is, Nabi Islam says, the heaviest thing on the scales of good deeds is good akhlaq, khuluqin hasan, good character. So how all this can come in our life? This is what all the efforts of Deen are about. The work of Dawat and Tabliq is for nothing else also, for the same purpose. That we strengthen our Iman and we invite one and all towards Allah Ta'ala and in this way we also get closer to Allah Ta'ala and take others as well. Allah Ta'ala give us all the tawfiq, inshallah we all make the intention of attending the istima, taking others along as well and also making the effort of going out in the path of Allah Ta'ala joining the company of the pious and the righteous and increasing our knowledge of deen from the ulama ikram directly and in this way inshallah we will continue with istiqamat on the right path Allah Ta'ala keep us all on istiqamat keep us on sirat mustaqim Allah Ta'ala keep us with iman take us with iman and raise us on the day of qiyamah with iman wa akhiru da'wana anil hamdulillahi rabbil alameen Allahumma lakal hamdu kulluhu wa lakal shukru kulluhu Allahumma la nuhsi thana'an alayk anta kama asnayta ala nafsik جزا الله عنا نبينا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم بما هو أهله ربنا ظلمنا أنفسنا وإن لم تخف لنا وترحمنا لنكونن من الخاسرين رب اغفر وارحم واعفو وتكرم وتجاوز عما تعلم إنك أنت الأعز الأكرم ربنا توفنا مسلمين والحقنا بالشهداء والصالحين غير خزايا ولا نداما ولا مفتونين اللهم ثبتنا على الإيمان وأمتنا على الإيمان واحشرنا يوم القيامة مع الإيمان يا مقلب القلوب ثبت قلوبنا على دينك يا مصرف القلوب صرف قلوبنا على طاعتك اللهم حبب إلينا الإيمان وزينه في قلوبنا وكره إلينا الكفر والفسوق والعسيان وجعلنا من الراشدين اللهم إنا نسألك من خير ما سألك منه نبيك وحبيبك سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم ونعوذ بك من شر ما استعاذك منه نبيك وحبيبك سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم 
انت المستعان وعليك البلاغ ولا حول ولا قوه الا بالله العلي العظيم وصلى الله تعالى على خير خلقه سيدنا محمد واله وصحبه اجمعين والحمد لله